water. Oh yeah, gotta have the water, man. Gotta be strapped. H2O, yeah, so figured give you the comfy seat, you know? Give me the ability to kind of like be more, you know? I think the chair is gonna be the move from now on. You know, I've done so few of these so far. You know, like right. The ch like the ch like last time, like Connor was in his bed and I was like sitting on the floor or something like that. You know, <laughs> like it, it was all over the place. But it's gonna be sometimes, dude. But the new layout of the room, I think, like I think it's really nice. I think it encourages fellowship. Encourages. I think fellowship. it encourages fellowship. I'm excited for it. Hell yeah, dude. I'm excited for it. It just, it, it leaves a lot more space because of the whole, um, what is it, loft? It loft layout. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Of course, Supreme Squidward represent. Got to. Got to. And now Supreme Squidward has a whole wall next to the TV. Yeah, Which is right. exciting. Like, which is very exciting for him. It's not just like <laughs> next to Connor's like computer. Like Exactly. It's like in like the living space area, I guess, if you will. But, um... Yeah, man. All right. So, uh, hello, universe, and uh, thank you to everyone that it, that's living in it that is listening, who, as of right now, I don't know if it's going to be anyone. It might be me and a few others, a handful. But, hey, shout out you guys. A handful is better than none. Right? handful is better than handful none. You'd rather, a, you'd rather a handful of candy than no candy. I'd rather take a candy. handful of candy on Halloween than no candy on Halloween. That would suck. That would be terrible. That would suck. Imagine going up to a, like, a house and, like, they hand you, like, a bag of, like... Did you ever go to the houses and the bowls were empty? Because the guy, dude, the guys next door to me would always beat us and they would go out to the houses, like, like, they would leave the house maybe 10 minutes before us. They would hit every house right before us. Every house that had a bowl in front, empty. They just took everything? Oh, yeah. You know, you, you take the bowl and you <laughs> empty it into your pillowcase. You know what I'm saying? That's what they used to do. Or the Bro, big no, brown man, trash man. bags. So I, I had a very different experience than that. So I I would go trick-or-treating my grandparents' like little like, neighborhood. So it's like, just like a bunch of old people. Oh, hell yeah. Um, and, but like my parents would go with us. So like I couldn't ever like pull shenanigans like that. No shenanigans Cause like Grammy Gram Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah right <laughs> no but like so like I, I'd be like and once I aged out got older I was like oh great I can go off on my own but then new job was take your sister trick-or-treating so I had to go with my sister and I couldn't pull any shenanigans with my sister either that's lame yeah right so then I eventually just I, I started doing this thing where like I would like help my grandpa hand out candy instead of going out trick-or-treating because I my grandpa would just buy me a bunch of just a bunch of candy Anyway, I don't have to work for it. <laughs> Dude, your grandpa's the plug. Dude, my grandpa is the plug. Shout out my grandpa. I love that guy. Shout out your grandpa if he's listening to this. We appreciate your candy and your generosity. <laughs> love you, grandpa. Oh, man. Um, but I was in the middle of my intro. Wow. <laughs> Early tangent. <laughs> right, right. Back to the intro. But, yes, thank you to everyone that's, that's joining us. This is um, Vibe Time. And um, today, uh, <laughs> I, I, I am joined by my, my good friend, uh, Garrett. Um, he's now putting a name to that voice you were hearing earlier. Name to the voice. Name to the voice. Good, <laughs> good friend, Garrett. You know, so take it away, buddy. Um, hello, universe. Uh, yeah, um, our millions of viewers. I mean, I love my fans. I'm single at this point. <laughs> Who knows if I'm going to be by the time this podcast goes viral. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, there we go, man. Do we're it. Just, we're just vibing. We're just vibing. vibing. Yeah. yeah. So, but um, anyway, th- thank you for, for coming on. Um, oh, thanks for recording our conversation and uh, sharing it with the world. I have probably nothing important to say, but, you know, if people are going to listen, shit, why not? Exactly. Right? Exactly. Like, just why not? Because, like, I mean, like, honestly, like, we'd probably end up having, like, these conversations, like, anyway. And I'm just thinking, like, why not catalog it? Because, like, you know, I, I've i said in earlier, earlier uh, like, episodes that <coughs> 2020 has been just absolute dumpster fire of a year i mean like it's hit after hit and so like but what i've noticed in that is like i've i have like feel like i've undergone like a lot of like personal change like you know like sort of like sure like just a lot of personal growth and as i've you know come back to college and like started like talking with more people i've also noticed that they're like because of like their quarantine quarantine sucked you know like i mean like it was, I was, it was at, a, it was a pretty low point, you know, in this year for a lot of people. But like, I kind of noticed that, like, coming out the other side of that, people are like finding like these like moments of like really like pretty deep growth. Mm-hmm. And as I'm like kind of hearing more of these stories, I mean, that that's when I that's why I wanted to do the podcast in the first place because it's like I wanted like kind of like collect all those those different you know experiences. Yeah. And because I'm I'm I mean I mean it was a conversation with Gwen that kind of. St- launched me into my you know thought journey i guess to lead me to where i am right now and so like i feel like i can always grow from you know hearing others experiences and stuff like that and at least that's what i found and so that's kind of why i'm doing that and i feel like you know i'm like my i mean like i don't have to like really look that far to find people to like talk to me about these kind of things because like i mean we're all pretty inside you know like we've been having a lot and they always further goes to my point that like, I think that something happened during that quarantine phase that has yeah. like kind of pushed people towards this thing and yeah yeah and we all have a perspective and I think that's what's important to to keep in mind and and at the same time I think that the pandemic like you mentioned I mean holy holy cow you know and I'm gonna watch my language as best as I can for the children that are <laughs> listening to vibe time um but the thing is yeah I mean this time of personal growth was almost thrust upon all of us I feel like and and so and people deal with it in different ways and and for me personally you know uh, dealing with a lot of what I went through over the summer um forced me into this situation where it's like I can either choose to get better or I can just be sad and you know it's like I'm gonna be sad anyway so I might as well try to be better and be sad right (laughs) yeah exactly Uh, so but yeah, that's the thing is, I mean, I always, I value this, I, th- I told you, and I'll say it on air now, I think this is a great idea. Um, you know, I mean, I learn so much from other people, and from the stories that other people tell me, and it, it offers a perspective, so many different perspectives in my life, where I now feel like I see so many different perspectives on one single situation, whereas when I came into school, when I got up here, I was very... Um, <clears throat> you know one track minded I kind of saw things from my perspective and and that you know it's not it's not a good thing and and you can only see other people's perspective from hearing their stories and and wanting to listen so yeah I think this is a great idea yeah and you know you kind of you kind of hit on that thing like you know like like being like you know kind of like sad and stuff like that I mean like I mean you, you look at just 
I don't know, studies, I guess. You know, like studies. Yeah, you look at like, science. You look at science, hard facts <laughs> on that on that Bill Nye type beat. But like, you know, like a lot of people's depression really like surged in like this. I mean, I know, speaking from personal experience, like I didn't even notice it. That's how bad it got, you know? Like it took my parents who I I don't listen to my parents, but like it took them like reaching out to me in a way that like I wasn't used to them reaching out to me to like kind of shake me and be like, oh, yikes, <laughs> that wasn't good. And so, you know. Yeah, and I just got to so, if you can like, you know, speak yeah, any more to Sorry, that. I was drinking a little bit of water for our viewers. So Nong had to buy me a couple seconds. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think that I mean, it's it's terribly upsetting how the statistics are showing a higher rate of drug abuse and opioid problems and domestic violence and divorce rates and things like that because of this pandemic and it's it's on here's the thing is as human beings we're designed to be around other people right we're designed to communicate and to to share love and ideas but the problem is that in this in this pandemic we're forced to be around the same people over and over and over. I love my family to death. I, I don't know if they'll ever listen to anything like this, but if they do, I want them to know I love them very much. But it's it's one of those things that during the pandemic, I, I felt like we were gonna kill each other. It's mm-hmm. it's very difficult. And as far as the and, and as far as depression and things are concerned, I mean, you look at you look at the fact that, I mean the problem is there's just not as much of an outlet anymore, I think, is is part of the issue. And we'll talk about this, you know, more mm-hmm. over the next 101 minutes. <laughs> yeah, right. But, but shout out I voice mean, memos. shout out voice memos. But, you know, I mean, I, I think that it's it's natural that once people are, are forced, I mean, people are working from home, people are getting laid off, there's, there's issues revolving health care and revolving... You know, I mean, I, 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 no one should should die from having the coronavirus because they can't afford to be treated. Mm-hmm. But regardless of that, you know, I'm sure you'll have someone else on to talk about health. No, actually, you are you but, are also going to be my politics guy too. Great, so but, I'll be back on like, another yeah, episode. Yeah, so I'll be back on a different. Episode. That's for a different episode. But, but the thing is, I mean, tune in the, <laughs> the next time. Tune in next time. Look out for that episode. But I mean, it's only natural, and I think that what's if there is a silver lining. I would say that it's at least that we're seeing more people talk about it. We're seeing more of a recognition of mental health um, and the importance of taking care of yourself and knowing the best tools for you um, right now. And I think that it's really causing a lot of people to, to research how can I how can I find peace of mind. That's what it did for me mm-hmm. um, because it's like you can't go anywhere. You can't do anything. So I'm going on a walk once a day um, playing video games. But other than that, I'm trapped in my own head and you're forced to confront a lot of things that are uncomfortable. Right, right. Um, and that can, cause, that can cause a lot of feelings. So I think that it's very upsetting um, unfortunately, I feel as if it's predictable, given that I know the history regarding, um, I mean, we haven't had a pandemic like this since 100 years ago. And, I mean, no one knows what mental health looked like in 1917 when the Spanish influenza was going around. So, But you have to imagine that this kind of situation is going to cause high stress, high anxiety, and therefore there's going to be more people depressed, more people abusing drugs and alcohol as well. Right. And, you know, 
going back to your your uh, point about like kind of more uh, uh, there's more discussion about it you know another one of those things is not only depression but you I kind of touched on it was was anxiety and you know like and I know in conversations we've had prior that anxiety I mean it, it, for both of us but you know like it, it is a you know it, it's a driving force in like a, in yeah. our daily lives yeah. which is like you know an unfortunate you know no a thing course, yeah. but like you know do you I mean are would, are you willing to you know yeah, sure. so, that I mean the thing with anxiety is um, and I, I thought about this quite a bit for me it feels like if I was and I watch a lot of football as you know mm-hmm. um, it feels like I'm a quarterback and I've got the edge rusher coming right off the tackle and and I see them cutting free you know what I'm saying and so for me it feels as if I'm a quarterback and I'm under pressure mm-hmm. um, I've got someone coming after me that's gonna sack me that's that moment is how I would define uh, what anxiety feels like and for people who aren't really familiar with with football um, I would I would say that anxiety feels like the moment before someone cuts you off in traffic um, as if you know it's going to happen and you see the the slight opening in front of you um, and you just know that the car that doesn't have its blinker on and that you know yeah. Camaro <laughs> yeah. or whatever is gonna or Mercedes God forbid they're a Mercedes they get to do whatever they want yeah so that's true they have more money they than do. us they do they have more money than us so they have a right um, but that's they, honestly too true <laughs> but, but the thing is that's that's how it feels is mm-hmm. it's it's as if I mean and the thing is a lot of times anxiety and along with being a quarterback or being cut off in traffic the issue is a lot more in your head and it's in your own thoughts of what might happen um gosh it's hard to articulate things no hey, um, hey it's all but, right man. <laughs> but the thing is it's it, it's one of those things where you feel trapped and a lot of times it feels as if you have no control over the situation. If I'm a quarterback and I've got Hall of Fame defensive end Lawrence Taylor coming around the edge who runs, you know, a 4640 or whatever it is. I'm sure my buddy Tito will will correct me on that. But but whatever 40 he runs, he's coming around the edge and he beat my left tackle and I see him coming for me. So I don't know what the outcome is about to be, but I know that I'm about to be put in a very uncomfortable situation (laughs) as the quarterback of this football team. Uh, For anyone who doesn't know football, you know, Lawrence Taylor, gosh, just look him up. I'm not going to talk about him. But but the thing is, I mean... I'm sure you'll quickly realize the the severity of Garrett's situation. It's hypothetical. And that's that's the thing is, I think a lot of people would would understand that that, that that is, you know... That's how it feels. It feels as if out of nowhere there is this extremely stressful situation that is causing you to to have this bodily reaction that you don't know how to compartmentalize. You don't know how to deal with. And it's it's terribly difficult. I mean, anxiety is one of those things that is not talked about. Um, generalized anxiety disorder is a very real thing and a lot of people are like well you know and and, and people you know you're if you're diagnosed with it then you're diagnosed but if you're not you're like well I have anxiety but I don't have general anxiety disorder it's like what the fuck do you even mean you know, yeah, like, yeah, right. <laughs> I have anxiety but I don't have generalized anxiety it's like that doesn't know you have anxiety which means you have general anxiety which which is a disorder and and, and that goes back into this fact that it's like, for people like me, 
I mean, it's something that is ingrained. And I think that a lot of it yeah. does go back to where how you're raised and Absolutely. I mean in, in your surroundings. And and it's funny because it's just one of those things that like I never thought that I had anxiety right. until I went through shit. And now the little issues, you know, I'm I go through the the very little issues compared to what's going on. You know, they're big to me, but the comparatively, you know, you compare them to anybody, your issues are small. But you know, the the issues that I'm going through, it's they're things that I haven't dealt with before. Yeah. And when you're someone that doesn't, when you don't realize that you have anxiety or that you deal with depression or that you suffer from, it's just like, it's just like if you had a broken arm and you were trying to lift the freaking weight and you didn't know you broke your arm. You know, you're trying to lift the weight. You yeah. can't, you, you can't, can't do, do it. That. You can't do it with a broken arm. You can't, you can't curl the dumbbells. I'm doing a curl. You can't curl can't the dumbbell with a broken, with a broken arm. And, Impossible. and it's, you know, I'm sure we'll talk about this, but it's not taken seriously as a as a as an issue, as something that people can't control. Yeah. And and a lot of times it's it's sucky. It feels like it's like, damn, like I wish I could feel literally any other way than I do at this exact moment yeah. in time, but I just I can't get myself out of this mental space. I'll listen to music. I'll listen to the SOS meditation, yeah. you know, and it just leaves me angry. I don't even usually get through a meditation. I don't know if any of, if anyone feels the same, but it's like, I'll start listening to, to an SOS meditation when I'm anxious about something. And I'll be like, that didn't fucking work. Yeah, no. And so that, I mean, that, that's, you know, that, that is definitely, you know, something that happens, you know, when it's, you just see those high anxiety moments. And I think, I thought it was interesting, you know, I think it is interesting to hear how other people, you know, would describe how their anxiety feels to them because, you know, like, I understood everything you said, but like, I use a completely different set of, you know, like words to describe how my anxiety feels to me. So like, I'll use like, my go-to anxiety example is like going to a gas station and going in, like on a road trip and going in to buy something and walking up to the cash register and like just paying for it that stresses me the fuck out well like that's pulling out of it no 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 you're saying but like that's like that feeling of like i'm like i'm walking up and i'm like Shh, like this guy's gonna hate me i have sure. like no real like no, that, yeah. my, my anxiety in fact like like kind of manifests itself in this way of like Whereas you think like, you know, like you have like someone's coming out to get you. Like my, my anxiety manifests in a way of like everybody like hates me. Yeah. Like, like yeah. I, they're, they're, I've done something to offend something in the way that I am, how I'm existing has somehow offended this person to the point where now they, they, they despise me. And so that's why yeah. I, you know, and <laughs> you know my feelings on the Enneagram and I'll make them much more apparent when I have Gwen come on. But I, you know. I am a type nine, which is class, you know, is the peacemaker, which is, that's really born out of my anxiety of like, you know, like I don't, I don't like feeling kind of like this, this stressed out like way, like I, I want to be able to pacify people and I want to be able to like make harmony and want to be able to like exist, but like that in and of itself creates more anxieties of, you know, of course, things like that. Yeah. So like, anxiety really is this, you know, it is a disorder that like, you know, it's kind of like a, like a leech. It's always just kind of like gnawing on you, but, um, yeah, no, yeah, and I think that that's a great, that's a great um, analogy that it's like a leech that's like su sucking the life out of you. I mean, and and it feels different for everybody, yeah, you, yeah, right? Exactly. And I think that, but I think that, I mean, I feel the same way that you do. I don't, 
I sometimes would rather go hungry than go through the social anxiety of going to get food by myself somewhere. Yeah. And it's and it's so unnecessary because I know every time I go, there's if, if there's going to be a line, it's not going to be a big deal. I'm going to get through the line, order my food, and get it and leave, and I'll be fine. I'll listen to my music, you know. But it, it's this. It, you can't. You can't even. We can't even um, make it tangible. This this idea of anxiety because it's it's not real. That's what I think. What what we can all have. What we all have in common with anxiety. We're all different, but I think it all roots from this idea of fiction, of what is not actually occurring, and because because all that's guaranteed is this moment right now. You know, um, whoever's listening to this, you know, right now when we're talking, all that's guaranteed is this moment that we're in. We can't control other people in other in other times. We can't control other people in this moment. We can't control this moment for other people. So, and that's what's real is for for me. What's real is sitting here with you on the comfy couch, couch bed, couch bed, TM. And having this conversation with you because because that's what what I can control and and I think that that's where excuse me a lot of anxiety roots from is this disconnect from reality which causes people who suffer from anxiety to be like I'm fucking crazy I felt the same way I felt out of my mind for the longest time because it's like I can't understand the world around me without taking in all these other things. I'm, I'm a contextual person. I, I know about the Enneagram, but I can, I choose to define myself as a contextual person. Mm-hmm. I'm a person that loves context. I'm a history major for those of you that are listening. Um, and so it's one of those things that like, I want to understand the cause and effect. If there was some kind of correlation or causation for this to occur. And so with my anxiety, I'll manifest a single thought 10, 10 steps ahead and be like, well, they hate me. And it makes me think like, wow, I need to, I, I, I need to be low automized. I don't have <laughs> any kind of control over right. my brain. Like my, and, and in all reality, we all feel this way. A lot of us yeah. feel this way. A lot of us struggle with, with people, with, with misunderstanding what people are saying or reading too much into what people are saying or not enough yeah. or, you know, whatever. And, and, and that's the thing is I think that what we all have in common when it comes to anxiety is that it's not rooted in reality. It's rooted in your perception of reality. And, and that's what causes, when I see Lawrence Taylor coming off the edge <laughs> and I'm about to throw the damn ball, I'm like, oh my God, my perception is that he's going to kill me. Right. Yeah. Versus what's probably going to end up happening is I'm going to throw the ball away and he's going to hit me and I'm going to get back up and I'm going to be straight. You know, my old line is going to come yeah. over and get me up. But, but it's this perception of the worst case scenario all the time. That's why, that's how my anxiety no, no, affects. And I feel like that's, that's very a, similar for a lot of Yeah, and that's like, if you're going to put it in like a general sense, it's like, it's like, you take like a moment, like a thing that happened, and you automatically, you know, the natural response is to move it to the next level and just kind of be like, okay, like this is what they said. Yeah. But with the anxiety brain, you know, like you take that and extrapolate it up to the highest level of the worst possible scenario. Where it's like exactly. if the Highsmith person forgot to hand me a cup, 
Like, I wouldn't go ask for a cup because I'm like, I'd be bothering her if I asked her to do her job. And so it's like, and I think that's another, like, you know, kind of kicker of it. It's like, you recognize it too. And that's frustrating because like, you want to get past it. You're exactly. like, if I, if I understand what's wrong, if I understand what's happening, why can I not then isolate these moments and fix what's going on? And right. that, you know, and so like, I mean, that's like, you know, some people, they turn to like medications and stuff like that. And I'm obviously certainly not knocking that stuff, you no, know, of course, if yeah. that's what works for you, that what works for you. You know, I don't find that, you know, I, I don't feel like that'd be helpful for me, which is why I look at alternatives, which is, you know, like meditation, you know, um, like mindfulness um, and, you know, gratitude and just kind of all those sort of things to kind of help reach through that. But, you know, kind of segueing away I guess just something I just kind of want to talk about because <laughs> um, I thought about it um, you were talking about like going to the like the like worst possible scenarios and stuff like yeah. that like anxieties and stuff like that like that's like, like, those, like anxieties are like the root cause of like bad <coughs> oh bless Excuse you wow. bless you first sneeze on the podcast first sneeze on the that's that that's is exciting. an historic moment goes out yeah that's, that's you that is man. not getting edited out no it i don't one. i i would not know how to edit it out so it's staying in uh, sorry okay go ahead. anyway so like anxieties are like the root cause of like bad trips and stuff like that oh yeah because you start with that one moment and yeah. then you thought loop and cycle all the way out and like on a trip you're creating new neural pathways so you're coming up with new worst case scenarios exactly. and they're all happening exactly. at once so you're having every single bad thought at the same time mm -hmm. and it's very yeah. hard to break you know kind of pull yourself out of that reality once you've kind of decided to you know jump into the middle of the you know the tornado so like or I don't know if that's a... That's not a really a saying. I don't know why I chose... Jump in front of the tornado. I don't really know, you know. Words just kind of came spilling out. But you know what I'm saying? It's just what's like... Those, like, bad trips... I mean, like, I've personally sure, not yeah. had a bad trip. I mean, I've been around those that have had yeah, them. But course. I know... I mean, you've had, I, I believe, a, like, bad trips. And you've been around people that have had some pretty bad trips, yeah, too. So. Yes, I've had some interesting <laughs> experiences. So, so for the sake of, you know, any legal bodies that might be listening... um. My bad trips were on, you know, completely legal, um, just, you know, I just pulled mushrooms out of the ground. I just had a sheet of paper laying around that yeah, I grabbed, exactly. but the last time I grabbed the sheet of paper and myself and just put it in my mouth, you know, it was not, it was not illegal <laughs> at all. No, not was, at all. <laughs> it was my own, you know, sheet of paper. See, we, no, let's no. just call it a tab. Just so, so this so. show is protected by this blanket called no one knows about it. Okay, great. Okay, so. Yeah, so, so basically, so here's the thing is I, psychedelics are, are interesting, right? Because there's, you know, uh, you ask anyone, any old head, right? I mean, you're like, you're like, what's the worst drug? And they're like, acid, because you don't come back as the same person. And I argue for a long time that that was a positive, right? I was like, I was doing, I, I did, I did trip for a while on, on LSD and, and, and I enjoyed it. I was like, I was like, this is a positive experience, whatever, you know, the highest of highs. Um, and I never felt those lowest of lows because it was always a good, you know, it was always a good time with my friends. Um, a couple years back after a, after a bad breakup, I was, I was dropping tabs rather often. Um, not super often, but more often than I ever have. You know, I think I, I think maybe like three times in a month I had done it. And I'm not proud of that, but I mean, what can you do? And I was very depressed 
and I was just starting to kind of try to figure out how to become my own person, I guess, mm-hmm. and be independent away from this from this girl that I had been with for, you know, over a year. And um, and so when I when I did at the last time that I did acid, it was a very poor trip and I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. And I told you this. Mm-hmm. I felt like an elephant was sitting on my chest. Because it was it was weird. Um, it's it's like 25 degrees outside. The wind is swirling up here in the mountains, and um, and I'm like I gotta go outside. I can't be in here. And God help my friend Ian. God love him to death. He is a hero. <laughs> he stood outside with me for I think two hours, oh, just man. in the cold, just because I could not handle being inside. And it was the weirdest thing. And at that moment, I was like. God, this is this is a very strange feeling to have. Like the whole night, I felt like someone was trying to kill me, and I was like, every time I tried to think about it, I was like, why the fuck would someone be trying to kill me? And then, but I couldn't ever get to the end of that thought. Yeah. And and then there was the whole elephant sitting on the chest, and I felt like I couldn't breathe. I was like, I think I'm having a heart attack. I'm going to die. And it was just very. I mean, I mean, when you're not, first of all. Anxiety brain enough. You're not grounded in reality. What I just said. Yeah, but then yeah. you're on acid. Yeah, you're not yeah. all grounded in reality. No, you're like in like and the ninth dimension at I'm this point. Been, I've been too high before, and I've been like, uh, babe, can you check my heart rate? Because uh, <laughs> yeah, right. But, the, but the ninth dimension is like a different. That's what me and my friends call it. But like the ninth dimension is like a bad place. Man. No, and exactly. And it was a it was a terrible experience. I mean, it was terrible, and I won't. I I don't think I'll ever do acid again because of that but it's one of those things that like it it made me it it was my first it was my first lesson of you're on your own nobody else is is going to be able to protect you you have to protect yourself it was weird it's weird it's weird that that's what i take away from it but sitting here thinking about it with you that's that's what I take away most from it. Is it was it was my first taste of you don't have a girlfriend, you don't have family here, you don't have a sister here, you don't have friends here. You're by yourself. It's you and everybody else in this big, big world. So you gotta take care of you first and foremost. And I hadn't done that for a long time, and I think that was my first kind of kick in the ass of you gotta take care of yourself. Yeah, and it to me it's you know I, I find it to be so interesting. That like these these bad I, I, I you know I you know obviously I hate that you had to go through something you know bad trips are never fun but I think it's interesting to hear about them because I've never experienced a bad trip myself I every single time that I have you know done anything with psychedelics I I have had a fantastic time whether it be just just dumb fun or like I, I got something very very poignant and deep out of it yeah. um, and so. You know, I've had moments of like panic. You know, those little moments where like the 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 thing, you know, the things around the edge kind of just come seeping in for a moment, and then. But like, a, a lot of things with tripping is, I feel like it's a lot about like, if you can stop those thought loops, those negative thought loops early on. Which yeah. now this isn't an easy, isn't an easy task, you know. No, of course. But like, but it, if you if you can, you know cut that off and then like move into like more positive thought loops in that in that trip you're gonna be able to avoid a lot of that stuff because like you know 
with those, you know, it's exactly as you said, it's like you're having all these bad thoughts and then you just can't, and then you ask yourself like, whoa, whoa, is this even like real? But you can't figure that out because you're tripping and reality is distorted right now. Yeah. And, you know, um, I've told you about, about um, my, uh, my best friend Andre's, his bad trip from over the summer, and I'll have him on later to, um, to talk about that stuff. Not later at this podcast, but a different podcast. Tune in then, too. Two podcasts guaranteed for the future. Um, at least two more episodes. At least two more episodes. Actually, at least three, because you did mention Gwen, too. Oh, hey, look at that. Stay tuned. So that's three um, scheduled episodes. That's major. That is major. Um, Fox will be excited. Yeah. Um, and then you get sued. And just then for I, my line. Yeah, and then I get sued right there. Um, but you're trying my thought loop. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's all good. Don't worry about it. So, yeah, like so. A, a, a powerful tool that I, I use. You know, obviously, I'm not like gonna peer pressure you. Like all the kid, cool kids are doing acid. You know, you should do it too. But like so. Whenever I had, like, this summer when I was doing acid, I was doing it with people that I'd only recently kind of met. You know, I was chill with them, but, like, I wasn't, like, tight or anything. Um, yeah. And so I, I took, like, two tabs. Um, so I was, like, out. That's, that's, what, I, <laughs> that's what I painted. That, that's what um, I, I had um, my friend Jackie paint that painting it's over there cool. for me. It's very cool. Um, if I post this on Spotify, maybe I'll make that. I need that Jackie better. to listen to this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Chill, bro. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. That's all you're gonna say. That's all. <laughs> yeah, sh- Jackie. shout out to Jackie, Jackie if you're painting. listening. Good That's painting. why. That's why I need Jackie to listen because the painting is really exquisite. It's exquisite. Um, but anyway, so we were hanging out and stuff like that. But I had, I did have the moment of like anxiety of where it's like, wow. <laughs> I really don't know like these people that well, and so like that's our creeping in a little bit. And a, a tool that I use, which I I, I was taught by um, my other uh, best friend Liam, um, the first time we tripped was like, hey, wait a second, no, you're not. And so like, I'll, there's been a lot of times in the trip where it's Ooh, like, man, where it's like I'm like like when I was this summer when I was with um, Ben, Andre, um, and Kenzie down at the beach tripping, I was driving the golf cart back from the beach. Whipping it. Yeah, whipping that it. That go-go mobile. He goes like 13 miles an hour, dude. <laughs> well, no, okay, 17, because I, okay. I fixed it up. Okay. Yeah. Um, but so <laughs> we're going, and like, I'm telling you, the road disappeared. Because it's, like, it's like a rural, like it's a forest, you know? Oh, it's yeah, like, I'm it's sure. Like dirt roads types deal. Uh, oh, my God. And like, so like, there was like eyes everywhere, man. It was like, everything was like a pacot, like it was a painting. And I'm saying, I want to come to Defusky. That'd be fun. I'd do shrooms in Defusky. Dude, That'd be no, dumb. You'd definitely That'd be should, super dude. fun. But I want you to I want you to meet Karan. <laughs> yeah, so do I. Dude, From the stories, I want to meet this dude. Karan's a cool guy. He's crazy. You're a crazy motherfucker, Karan. But I love you. Were you done? Did you want me to respond to that? No, no. Don't worry about it. But um, so like the road was like disappearing and stuff like that. And so like <laughs> the moments of panic, I was like, oh my god, like I'm gonna crash this golf cart because the road is disappearing. Like, you know, it's, it's falling out from under me. And then I just had that thought of like, wait a second. <laughs> No, it's not. You're on drugs. And that is a very ground... For at least me personally, the reminding myself that I am on drugs is a very, like, grounding moment for me. Because I can then, like, latch on to something and be like, okay, yeah, I know I'm not like this all the time. Like, I'm gonna come down. Drug- this will last for, like, something. That's why I yeah. always... I always have a timer on, like, start my phone. The moment I pop a tab in or eat a shroom, I have a timer going just to see how long the, the uh, trip is and yeah. see when my peak is because if it's, like, past four hours and I look at my thing, I'm like, oh, okay, great. Like, I'm gonna come down in, like, 
an hour and a half. Yeah. I'm I, I'm chilling. Like in this moment of panic, if I'm like I'm just on drugs, it's gonna go away. I'm gonna drink some water. Um, I'm gonna go to bed tonight. I'm gonna have a good day. Like. Yeah, I don't know. That never grounded me being like, I'm on acid, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know. And, and it works for some people. What works for some people won't work for other people. I mean, yeah, exactly. I just think that for me personally, it's a matter of control. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, shrooms, I can still be generally in control. But I mean, you know me, how often do I get piss drunk? How often do I get, like, I mean, I guess that's my only example, but how often am I not able to control my actions because of drugs or alcohol? Not very often. I do that on purpose because I value control over my actions because of, I think it goes back to my anxiety. Um, I value being in control. Yeah. And, and for me being on psychedelics is just too much. It's just too much because it's like, I have to relinquish that control for a for a good period of time. And and I remember last time I was on acid, I was like, is it ever gonna end? I was like, is it ever gonna end? <laughs> like mm-hmm. you get a serious you seriously think that and it's scary. And if you don't have I mean, I wasn't around you, we weren't friends then. Yeah. And I mean if if you don't have people, if you don't have the right surroundings, yeah. if you don't have the right people, or if you don't have the right personal um, attitude coming into it, yeah. then you're not going to do it. And I honestly don't feel like I had two of those three. You can figure out which two if you want. Yeah. You know, like, and I mean. That's, and that's what I'll say was, is a key difference in yeah. having this mentality in yours. Because, like, I have from the start been v- very important in the days that, like, I, you know, I'm tripping to, like, craft out what my day is going to be. I set very strict boundaries. I have a game plan and set. Anytime I, I, I think about deviation, I remember, no, this is the plan that Sober Nong decided was a good idea, and I'm going to trust his judgment. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, you know, there's trips I decide I'm going to stay inside for this one. The furthest outside I'll go is my porch. And, like, I'll just you know, vibe and listen to music and watch crazy videos or just like have conversations with my friends. There's other ones where it's like, we have a trip sit and we're gonna go out and do things. Like we're gonna go out and play in snow. We're gonna go out and, you know, go to the beach or something like that. And so, but they're all very structured. They're very like, I know what's gonna happen. I know what's gonna happen around me. I'm controlling the variables coming at me. Sure. And you know, having the right, you know, like as you said, the right people around you, you know, like, I didn't necessarily follow that rule all the time, but, you know, I do trip a bit. So, I have a little bit more experience, but I by no means recommend that for people that are, like, starting to trip or, you know, don't do it that often. <laughs> but, um, you know, like, you want to have, like, people that, like, you know, are going to have positive energy or, like, you know, around them when you're, like, doing this. Because you don't want something to, like, set you off. Like, anything can start leading down that trail. And, you know, so... And it can be anything too, and that's kind of like what's a scary thing, and that kind of with the anxiety too, because it it could be anything, it could be any moment that that anxiety kind of just comes at you. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be a moment; it can just be a collect. It's it's so weird. It it really can be the straw. There can be something so obsolete, so stupid, so nonsensical that causes your anxiety to just hit a million. And 
it's very similar to a trip in a way that you just don't feel, for me personally, I don't feel in control. Um, when it comes to, to having that anxiety, it's, it's that moment of like, wow, I, I really do not know what is true and what is false, what is fact and what is fiction. And I don't know how I am being perceived by the people that I care about the most. And those thoughts are scary. Yeah. Those thoughts are very scary. Um, and I'm not, and, and you're not even on drugs. You're just on anxiety. Yeah. You know, um, and it's, it, 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 it hurts. It sucks, you know, whatever. But I mean, it does, it, it feels very similar to a bad trip in the way that you feel out of control for these asinine reasons that you can, sometimes I can even in my brain be like, there's no good reason for me to be anxious right now, but I am. Um, and that's when there's alcohol and there's drugs and I'm I'm not innocent, you know, but yeah. but the thing is, I mean, but that's the thing is it's 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 this feeling of no control and this and this fear, I think, this primal fear of losing the people that you love the most, that is kind of the root of anxiety is is loss and fear. I think as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, kind of, I guess, playing devil, devil's advocate on this point, you know, we're comparing trip, you know, trip experiences with like anxiety, you know, a known enemy. Why then would Oregon legalize everything? You know, play, right. you know, like what, why would they then do this? Gosh, you know? well, we'll talk about this. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you more about this in the political one, but I mean, no, let's, let's get into a little bit of it now. It well, right. Pertinent. I mean, I mean, what is it, what is it about, about people that do drugs that, that is, that automatically makes them criminal because they do drugs. I mean, that doesn't make any sense. What, Imagine if we were like, imagine if they outlawed cashews or almonds. Let's do almonds because almonds is easier for the uh, audience to hear. Let's say they outlawed almonds and everybody who ate almonds were just like, they were just like ostracized. Like, I like almonds, dude. Like, what do you mean? And everybody who eats almonds, there's this stigma around them that you caused this for yourself by trying almonds when you had when you had a health problem you needed to eat almonds for your health and now you're addicted to almonds and you want to eat them all the time that's your own fault so you know what you're addicted to almonds that sucks and and that's I like, I like that I like that analogy it, it's so because oh, it's, it's so, so stupid it's that's so, so stupid. stupid that's so dumb that's the thing is it's so dumb and I mean Bush's fucking war on drugs it was a waste of government resources it was a waste of taxpayer money it was a waste of time it was it was a waste of everything but but the thing is I mean Oregon is the first to say look we care about our citizens. Yeah. We don't care about the problems that they have and the diseases that they have. We want to help them. So, yeah, we're not going to throw you in jail for having for having heroin for personal use. Yes, opioids are not good, but what is the root cause of opioids? Um not most times, it's because someone was naturally brought on to opiates and painkillers. Yeah. They were naturally brought on by a surgery or by a health concern. So 
pharmaceutical companies are profitizing these people that are then being stigmatized in, in common society for being addicted to these things and they have no help of it. It's a disease, it's a real disease. In my family, I don't wanna to put too much of my family air out there, but my family does have, I mean, I am susceptible to, to um, uh, addiction because of my family, because of genetics. It's a genetic thing. So instead of looking at it as, well, you decided to do coke when you were 18, you decided to smoke weed once when you were 18, and then you did coke, and then you did meth, and now you're on heroin, and you're addicted to heroin. Even that, even that, where it's just a drug user, even that, it's like, what is the purpose of saying, you know what's better is we're just gonna throw you in jail, mm -hmm. cold turkey, so that you have to deal with that. There's no real rehabilitation, no real care for counseling, no real, no real desire to make anyone better or change. Yeah. And then we're gonna put you back out in the world, but we're gonna arrest you again, charge you again, take your money. The American government and the American justice system is all about money. It's not about caring about people. And the war on drugs showed us that. And big props to Oregon. Shout out Oregon for sponsoring yeah, this uh, Vibe Time, this yeah. episode of Vibe Time. Because it's like, you should care about your city. I want to run for president one day. What would be my platform? All drugs are off of the federal list. You know why? Because I care about the people. We shouldn't be having hundreds of people, thousands of people die every year because of dirty needles because of overdoses yeah that shouldn't be allowed to happen when we when the government could fund these people's drug addiction because spoiler alert they already are via the pharmaceutical companies yeah okay if you're already profiting you're profiteering off of these people who have a disease it's like I was about to say imagine if people profiteered off of people who had cancer, but they do. But they do that. That's so I can't even don't even imagine. Everything is so dystopian. It's so so we'll talk about this more, but Yeah, I mean obviously, you know, like as I said before, I, I was simply playing devil's advocate, you know, I mean huge oh, sure. props to Oregon because as you said, it was a waste of time. To, to, to try to persecute people and and you captured it like like beautifully. I've had conversations with my dad, you know, love the guy. But you know, he, he you know, he's a he's a very moderate, very moderate Democrat. Centrism, sure. Very centrist yeah, centrist. And so you know, having these conversations with my dad about like legalization, you know, like I'm like you know, obviously it, it, you know, so you know, he has that mindset of, you know, don't do drugs, like it's illegal, like it's gonna mess with you and you know you bring in health studies and stuff like that you can kind of sure. ease your debt you know ease him into that but we had a discussion about like legal like legalization of course and, yeah and I, I said dad like you know interstate commerce if you care about the economy and money like you know it would go the craft beer route um hopefully you know i hope tobacco doesn't pick it up you know yeah if you're listening big tobacco companies they don't want you yeah <laughs> you, you, you're gonna ruin it craft beer companies though yeah shout out you guys for paving away um but i think you know because like you know how each region each brewery in a, in a local area has its own like special like you know brew you know like like specialized localized beer and exactly. like an ipa or something like that like you see in places where it's legal like you have like strains that are like local to that yeah, area exactly. and so like you know that creates interstate commerce if you make it legal oh, yeah because the you know 
put the FDA in charge of that. They're going to probably develop a strain that is, you know, what, you know, within, like, you know, the bounds of what the government deems as, like, an acceptable amount to, like, you know, intake. And they'll sell that at, like, you know, government-run dispensaries and stuff like that. And I don't, you know, I don't necessarily think that that's going to stop, like, independently-owned dispensaries from, like, growing and, you know, oh, yeah, stuff. Because exactly. the, the government already regulates alcohol, but there are still places that brew alcohol that above the, you know, you know, certain alcohol, you know, um, content, you know, whatever. So, you know, I think that, you know, for the uh, point brand from that is like, it's going to bring in revenue. It's going to increase exactly. revenue anyway. So if you care about that, there's yeah. a point for that. Second point, you know, the war on drugs. How much time has been wasted in America going after these people for, as you say, like, you know, that they have an addiction, they have a problem. And we're persecuting them because... We're, and the war on drugs goes beyond addiction. Oh, I mean, no. We, can, we, we, we do not have enough time to talk about, I mean, the nonviolent drug offenses, the fact that... But but go back to what you're saying, but but just, I mean, the fact that even outside of addiction, we're, we're imprisoning people. We're saying that it's illegal for you to be an entrepreneur in America. Yes. We are a capitalist. We are as capitalist as you can get. We are in the latest stage of capitalism that you will ever have. And I'll talk about this on the political podcast, I'm sure. <laughs> but it's like, if we talk about the holy dollar above everything else, then how the hell is the US government gonna say, you are gonna be thrown in jail for making money off of, sometimes people grow their own grow their own and sell it. And you're gonna say that that is illegal. In a lot of states, it's actually more illegal to have a plant yeah. of your own yeah. and growing and harvesting, whatever, you know? But it's just, go back to what you're saying, but. Yeah, and so, <laughs> right, and so like, you know, those those those, yeah. those things, oh man, I, oh, wow. That was a good tangent. That was like, I mean, that was offered like, that's very true, but so, Beyond the addictions and stuff like that, trying to explain to my dad that it's like, you know, it's, sure. it's you know, first point, economy, second point, like, the war on drugs, like, so, like, I explained it, you know, I was like, dad, we can both agree that the way that our prison systems run, just again, whole other conversation, um, is terrible, and my dad, you know, I, you know, as a Democrat, he yeah. says yes, he understands that, and I say, okay, then, great, let's look at the group of people that are, you know, they're at that, you know, because the poverty, you know, they can get into a uh, discussion of, like, you know, how poverty is right now, you know? Honestly, before I started looking into this stuff, I thought the poverty was like, you know, you know, the poor people, you know, were, you know, kind of at the bottom there. And it was, a, you know, a, a, not a steep, but a gradual decline up to middle class and middle class eventually, you know, eventually gradually got up to the top 1% all the way up. But it's not like that at all. The poorest people are down here with the gradual climb to the middle class and then a steep 90 degree course, angle, yeah. you know, like all the way up to the top 1%, yeah. and it's like in the fucking heavens. Up to you know? the Bloomberg's and yeah, up to the Bezos. Exactly. And, and so, yeah. and so it's like, you look at, you know, you look at that and you see how those, they hoard their money and the people at the bottom don't have any. And so they're left with very few solutions. It's easy from a middle class perspective to say, hey, just go get a job. Just, exactly. just, just go do this. You know, why don't you just go to school? Why don't you do this thing? And when you're in that lower rung of society, you have fewer options because the top people higher in society decided to take those options away from yeah. you. You turn to what options you do have to survive because you, you're a person, you wanna live, you wanna be comfortable, you wanna have a happy life. And so some of these people, they're like, you know what? I'll sell, I'll sell drugs, I'll sell weed. Mm. I'll sell weed and I'll make enough money to, to feed myself and 
house myself and do whatever else I need to do. And some people, they, you know, they make a good amount of money doing that. Some stuff. people put themselves through school selling drugs. Exactly. I mean, and so, with that, you know, and so then let's say you get caught. And then, boom, suddenly you're treated as a prison, you know, as a felon, as, as a felon, as a criminal. You get thrown in prison. And, we're, you know, and that's the discussion of the you know, prison system. It's not about rehabilitation, you know. One would argue that it never was, you know, as, as it was built. But, you know, it's not about rehabilitation. We treat these people like animals. And we, you know, you punish them over and over again every single day. Yeah. You know, and so then we and then we just thrust them back into society. Prison should be about rehabilitation and and you know steering people away from those 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 worst tendencies and then producing the amount. I mean, in your capitalist mindset, then it's take these people that are not working in the system, put them into this place, send them out as a productive member of society. If you want, if you're a capitalist, you want that to work. You want more people exactly building themselves, so you you know you can make exactly. more money in the long run. And so. Yeah. But that's not what happens. We treat them terribly. Sure. We thrust them back into the streets and say, get a job. So, hey, let's say they do want to get a job. They didn't like prison. They want to turn their lives around. Oh, wait. Oops. There's a stigma against people with things on their records. So now you can't get exactly. a job. So now you're yeah. still at the place you were before you went to prison. And some people, like, you know, they, they go homeless. They, you know, they, they have to this push in those situations. Some make it through. But other people, they say, you know what? I was making money when I was selling drugs. So they go back to it again and the cycle Precisely. goes back over and the system treats them worse and worse each time. Precisely, point, yeah. They don't want, they've, you've soured their view of the system. Yes. It's not helping them. Yeah. It's done nothing but ruin their lives. It doesn't work for them, it works against them. Exactly, and, it, and actively so. It's not even, it's not passive. The government, it, they're meaning to do this. Yeah. I mean, yeah. so... No, I mean, in a couple things, a couple things you touched on, right? And I think that's kind of the funny difference between your parents and my parents is my parents are the total opposite, right? They're more conservative and they're like, legalize it, right? And tax it, make money off of it, which is my mentality. I, whether you're Republican or Democrat, you should agree that uh, the U.S. is in $26 trillion worth of debt. And we could make a shit ton of money yeah. growing weed and selling it to people. Because I was, I went, I took a trip to Colorado. I'll tell you something. The people walking into distilleries aren't just people who look like you and me. They're not 18, 19 years. There's 55 year old moms. There's 40 year old dads. There's people, there's, there's adults walking in there because guess what? There's a medical use for it. I actually have a poll pulled up. Um, a Gallup poll that got conducted on October uh, 15th of 2020. I don't know when this is going to get released, so I want to give the full date. Um, and it's, do you think marijuana use should be made legal or not? And 68% say it should be made legal. Why? Because marijuana, first of all, let's, let's take the entire medical aspect out of it. That huge piece of data that talks about Alzheimer's, dementia, and cancer. Let's take that huge bit out of it and just talk about the fact that marijuana should be treated the same way as alcohol because there's a huge market and there's a large amount of money to be made. And the government's job is not to dictate what the American citizens do and do not do with their body. Here's the thing. The American government should, their job should be to focus on the people. So if people start developing an addiction, that should be when the American government says, because we have no oversight over these things right now. We have no oversight no, over anything. And so the government, we want a perfect society, but there's, and I'll talk about this in the political podcast, but there's things we can talk about 
in politics in America and there's things we can't talk about. Yeah. And one of the things that we can't talk about, or so I thought until the Oregon news, was just legalizing drugs and saying, if you're using drug, if you're using painkillers for a personal use, if you're using opioids for a personal use, then you have a problem that we need to help you with rather than throw you in prison to basically be a modern day slave. And I know there's nothing, yeah, I think right. slavery and the Holocaust, nothing should ever be compared to either no, of those. But, 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 yeah. but, but, but the prison system is modern day slavery in every way, shape, and form. And people, Republicans, want private businesses running prisons, and that's a horrifying idea Terrible. for human rights. But the thing is, it's it's a matter of of what do we really care about at the end of the day? Are we really trying to look for a better society um, built around making people better and work on themselves, or are we wanting to build a society that's cyclical in poverty, in in discrimination, in in violence? in incarceration, it's cyclical in all these ways, in wage inequities, I mean, I could talk about a million different ways, that our society is cyclical rather than looking for these real deep concrete solutions that could serve me and you when we have children in 10, 15 years, and our kids when they have kids in 30 years, you know, whatever. I mean, and that's that's the thing is, is I think that, that it's unfortunate that we're not looking for real solutions. And so the news in Oregon excited me because it felt like a real solution. And now that one state has done it, I'm like, it's only a matter of time. Yeah, I mean, now a precedent has been set. And so like, you know, it, it, big strides, big strides. Um, and just, you know, I feel like now's a good time just for us to take a little break, but you won't notice because I'm a tech god. And honestly, that's just how good I am. That there's <laughs> no, there, there it was, you didn't even notice. There's no need for you to be so incredibly cool. Mom. I, I, I can't help but exude just straight baller energy. Um, but yeah, Oregon was a huge, huge first step. And you know, I, <laughs> my dad actually sent me a text about it. He was like, guess you heard about the news in Oregon and I was like yeah I'm pretty pretty exciting stuff but so like talking about all the way back because you talk about like you know the prison systems and stuff like that you know that's a point that I've been bringing up to my dad it's like we throw these people into like the meat grinder expect them to come out the other side unscathed and push them to be productive and you know the, the you know the next kind of point is it's like exactly as you brought up is like why is the government doing this like and that gets into other questions of, of race, but again, those will be topics that are be touched on another thing. But kind of the story, the, the, the thing I was going to get at was the story with my dad is that if you had asked me like pre-quarantine, if I would have had been able to have a constructive conversation with my dad about legalization, I would have told you to be, yeah, you were crazy. I told you that he would never, ever like conceded mm -hmm. on some of these points that I was making. And guess when that happened? Smack dab in the middle of quarantine. Yeah. So it's not just affecting people our age. I'm seeing it affect my dad. I'm seeing my dad, who was, was a centrist, slowly, very slowly, inching towards that more progressive mentality. And I'm, and I'm seeing similar things with my family. I mean, I, in, 
uh, probably, I guess, only my sister. I mean, I see her moving very ever so slightly towards the towards the left from the middle. My sister's very good about being apolitical as far as part partisanship. Um, she hates both parties, just like her fiance. But I mean, that's the thing is, I think that the pandemic. First of all, it caused us all to coexist a lot better and learn how to communicate a lot better. And I think that has to do with compromise. But I think that it also has to do with putting us in this situation causes us to think like, man, what the hell are we doing? Like, we got to get our act together. We don't have, we don't have tomorrow. There's right now, I mean, I'm going to look it up, but I'm sure there's probably around 240,000 people dead in America from the, from the coronavirus. Yeah. We don't have tomorrow guaranteed. You don't have two weeks from now guaranteed anymore. And so people are like, well, what society do I really want to leave for my kids? Do I want to live in? Do I want to grow into? Um, and, and I think you're seeing people start to realize a lot more progressive ideas. Not because, not because progressivism is Democrat, mm -hmm. but because progressivism is progressivism. I mean, I'm a history major. Progressive movements are always just the people that are a little ahead of the curve. I mean, you look at you look at the progressive movement in the early 1900s, and you look at the the Jungle by Upton Sinclair specifically, yes. and and how it affected workers' rights, yeah, and the safety of people who worked in factories, and the government Some oversight, gross and stuff that. in the Jungle. Oh, disgusting! Fingers and the meat yeah, grinders. Arms, oh, arms terrible. falling, arms getting cut off, and things. I had to read it in 12th grade. Yeah, from right. AP yeah, history right. AP history. Yep. But but that's the thing is it's is progressive movements are always ahead of its time. I don't feel like progressivism is asking for anything crazy, you know. I and looking at people from this perspective of they're human beings who deserve rehabilitation and help is not a far left idea. It's just a an idea that care that that talks about caring about people. I can't even believe that I have to that there are people that that firmly disagree with that. It's just so bizarre to me. Yeah, it's it's strange to be you know to be sure, and you know it's it's an, it's you know it's good that we have kind of this discourse though in a way in a sense I think you know because you. I brought this up in another podcast, but I really like this quote, and it's kind of stupid where it comes from. It comes from Legend of Korra, of all places. <laughs> but it, it's, uh, you know, when you're at your lowest point, you know, you're open to the greatest, you know, change and growth. And that's kind of how yeah. I'm looking at quarantine, this moment for pretty much everybody where it's like, wow, this is terrible. <laughs> like, yeah. this, this sucks. And then, like, as you said earlier, you're kind of forced to confront yourself in those moments that's funny. and yeah. in that lowest point you're open to a lot of change because you know i know for me i was reaching out and looking for ways to get past and through and i found ways out and you know you're you know people are working through that and so no i mean it's, I, I i think that it's funny that you bring that up because we finally you know we get back to the anxiety <laughs> yeah from the we both uh, we both could talk about politics for a hundred and one minutes. Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing is, when you're at your lowest, you're forced to confront these uncomfortable things in your brain. It's not comfortable. Growth is not comfortable. 
Um, think about when you're nine, 10 years old, 11 years old, and you're starting to physically grow. You're starting to actually, is that when people grow? I don't know, I'm not I a biology major, but think about when you as a human being were starting to physically get bigger, taller, it hurts. It hurts your joints. It hurts your legs. It hurts your knees. It hurts your arms. It hurts to grow. It hurts. And in the same way that um, I've been running a lot, I think about it like this. Whenever I'm running and my legs are really, really hurting, it's because the muscles, what's actually happening to them is they're getting broken down. They're getting beat down and they build back stronger. And, and that's what you see from, and that's what I feel like happened to me with with quarantine is it puts you in this uncomfortable situation where you have no possibility of avoidance. Yeah. It's you, at the end of the day, it's you and your feelings. And and it forced me to, to question who I was as a person, what kind of person I wanted to be, what kind of impression do I wanna make on people when I just meet them? When I, hey, how are you doing on the street? When I see them walking, when I'm with someone else, what kind of for just impression do I wanna make on other people? What kind of person do I wanna be when someone's driving beside me, when someone's driving in front of me, when someone's driving behind me? What kind of person do I wanna be when I'm with my friends? What kind of energy do I wanna exude when I'm with my family, the people that I love that sometimes put me in, this, in these anxious you know, moments, but they love me and I love them and I care about them and I wanna show that. Um, and it forces you to think about what kind of unhealthy tendencies you have and how to, because, you know, it's easy to be like, oh, I don't ever work out and I don't eat healthy. That's easy. My physical health, it's easy to acknowledge. Or on the other hand, it's easy to be like, well, I eat salads three times a week and I work out four to five times a week. It's easy to assess your physical health. Yeah. But your mental health, it takes these dark, dark, dark moments to really realize what, who am I on my own and how do I get, how do I grow in the situation that I'm in? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, definitely, um, you know, I'm seeing that in a lot of other, you know, and, and you know, the people that are listening, you'll, you'll, you'll hear, you know, I'll, I'll make reference to other stories that I've heard prior that I'm certain will get discussed by other people on other podcasts episodes. But, you know, it's these moments of being broken down and then building yourself back up it is, it's kind of, and I think that as you said that, you know, society's, you know, there's a group of people that are, you know, going to move towards progressivism. And I, I think that this is going to be kind of that that moment that starts, t you know, tilting the scales in that direction. Because as people are, you know, thinking about society and, you know, because right now, I mean, 2020 has put a big old mirror to society. And, you know, we're really taking a hard look at ourselves and our values and things like that. And so, you know, by doing that, I think that people are going to start moving moving more towards change and because yeah. like we're looking at like we have to we're also evaluating how life was before how exactly. we existed before this 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 shared traumatic experience you know God, like, I remember going to classes in person I, I, I can't I it's it's very remember not wearing a mask I watch go in Target I watch like I, mean, I watch like shows Target don't sue us yeah right no I love you Target um you know it's like I watch TV shows and I see groups of people 
standing very close together without masks, <coughs> and I'll be like, put a mask, put a mask on. on. God, do you, you not do you not care about anything? And then I have to yeah. remind myself that like, oh yeah, there were times when this wasn't just how it was, and there were times when I didn't spend entire days yeah. sitting in my bed because the only things I had to accomplish that day could be done from my bed and like I can't go anywhere because there's nothing to do and so it's like it's that it's that absence of of a directive it's that absence because as much as I hate it as much as I would love to rail against the machine and not be a cog just by essence of existing in a society I'm a cog you know and I'm moving forward in this machine regardless yeah but you know, now it's you know, it offered me a time to to look at that and kind of you know think more about that. But yeah, I mean, I I think that there's something to be said about just that feeling of being spending hours alone, and it it sucks. Um, and what I've been telling everyone, I mean. Everybody feels these feelings of loneliness and sadness and just terrible right now. I mean, we should not be having to go through this. And we are. And it's hard. It's really hard. And I don't think we're giving ourselves enough credit as young people, as anyone who's an American who's li- who's putting on a damn mask and living through this and doing your best to try to just survive and and be with your family and with your friends and, and keep yourself afloat. I mean, that's one thing that I would say is like, I'm... A, a, for a long time, people considered me as someone that didn't really open up about their emotions, and and quarantine kind of I felt like forced me to do that a lot more because it's like I'm counting a lot more on 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 people around me to to, to also care about me. But but what I've realized is that I'm not the only person that feels the way that I'm feeling. I'm not the only person that hates that I'm out of control. Yeah. I'm not the only person that that hates that I spend. Eight to ten hours a day alone outside of being asleep. Outside of being asleep. You know, I'm not the only person that hates the fact that it's impossible to meet new people, meet new friends, meet new loved ones. Have the opportunity to expand your social circle. I'm not the only person, and whoever's listening to this, if you're feeling this way, you're not the only person either. Yeah. We all, a lot of us, it's it's terrible. It's terrible, and we shouldn't be having to go through this. This isn't normal. I want to stress that. This is not a normal thing for us to be feeling. I have to remind myself of that a lot. Us going to online classes, schools are canceled, we're wearing masks in Walmart, people are marching on Washington to argue the results of an election. These are not normal times. But we are we are starting to look like we had a chance to get back to normalcy. Yeah. And that's what I, what I look at as the positive is it's not hopeless. And for all those people out there who feel like me who don't feel like you have any control over the government, over anything, 
we don't. Yeah. But there's reasons to be confident that the people who are in the places that are supposed to care about the citizens are going to start caring. And and there's a whole lot to be said about the many, many different issues. But specifically revolving this pandemic, I mean, this feeling of isolation, this feeling that we all live on our own island and that we all have to, we all are on our own, we're all on our own Minecraft, what is it, world? Server, yeah. Server, we're all on our own Minecraft server. We all have to build our own house, build our own, get our own food, get our own supplies. Nobody's there to help us. This is not what human beings were designed for. We were designed to be together, to congregate, to communicate, to love one another, to care for one another, to be empathetic, to be sympathetic, blah, 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 blah. Right, you know? yeah. But, but we can't do that when we're when we have a pandemic that is killing hundreds of thousands of people. And so once we get past this, then, then we have real questions about our own, then I can start looking at my mental health as like, I mean, I mean, I don't even know how to, I can look at my mental health as as singular outside of this pandemic but right now it's so crucial that anybody that is struggling with mental health understands that the circumstances we are in as a context person as i mentioned earlier these are not normal circumstances and and so we're all going to be feeling not normal if you're normally on edge maybe you don't feel on edge and maybe that feels good but that's not normal either yeah. So nobody's going to be feeling how we normally feel because we're not in normal times. And that's what's important is like, is like, yes, I'm, I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. But it's about, it's about looking at like, at some point, there's a song that I love to listen to by Creedence Clearwater Revival. It's called Long As I See The Light. And um, it's just, you know, the whole theme of it is, is, as long as I see the light, as long as I can see that there is at some point going to be a better tomorrow than I can get through today. And that's what I think we're all feeling is, it, I hate going through today. We all do, we yeah. all hate it. It sucks, it's terrible. And that doesn't take away from how anybody's feeling. But, but it's about saying, it's all, it's all about putting it in context. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. These are not normal times. Give yourself some credit. Cut yourself some slack. And let's get through this pandemic and then reassess yourself and say, what can I do now that we're outside of this pandemic? Now that I'm meeting more people, what do I need to do to communicate in effective ways? What do I need? But right now, focus on you. Focus on what do I need to do to get through the day? Do I need to read a certain amount of time? Do I need to eat a certain food? Do I need to stay away from certain people, certain activities? Do I need to hang out with more people, more, do more activities? Do I, need to, do I need to work out more? Do I need to journal? Do I need to meditate every day? Meditation's a practice. It's not a, I thought it was a, I for a long time thought it was a, I am angry or I'm anxious or I'm sad and I'm gonna listen to this meditation, it'll make me feel better. No, 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 no. Nope. It's a practice of, of being able to ground yourself. And, and right now, 
it's so important that everybody takes a moment to just say, what can I do to help myself get through this? Because we will get through this pandemic. There, we have the benefit of modern medicine, yeah. it, modern technology. It's not going to happen. We're not going to go through it for 10, 12 years like the Spanish flu. Even if it's all of 2021, that sucks. That sucks that it'll take another year out of our lives. But think about how big life is. That's 177th of the average human being's life is one year. Mm -hmm. I guess two years, so 135th and a half. Yeah. 30. It's actually more like 36 and a half. Anyway, 38 and a half. 38 and a half. So it's more like 138 and a half. But regardless of the fractions and the math, we have to cut ourselves some slack and say, what do I need to do to get through this pandemic? Because it's unusual circumstances, so it's going to make everyone feel unusual. Yeah, and those it, the, the grounding thoughts, you know, you kind of see that popping up. And, you know, it's very, it's so important. And it, you know, it, it applies to so many different facets of life. You know, the, uh, I brought them up when you're, you know, my grounding moment when I'm tripping is, hey, you're on drugs. <laughs> and, you know, so I, I think that in a, you know, jokes, silly way, it could like be applied for a lot of things, you know, like a lot of things in life. It's like, well, wait on a second, wait a second. You're just on drugs. Like, you're just existing. This is just what happens when you exist. Things are ha reality is gonna happen, and the way reality happened is that there's a global pandemic and everything's terrible, and that's just what happened. <laughs> and you know, it's how we choose to kind of exist within that that is you know important. And it's like to remember, like, don't yeah, it's easy to get caught up in all that swirling bullshit, but then just remember, hey, oh, wait a second, you're just on drugs, you it's just gonna happen. It's the same thing with the pandemic. Oh. We're in a pandemic. pandemic. Just chill out. It's okay. Exactly. Follow the rules, you know, and you're going to be fine. And so, you know, it's, and then with your anxiety, remembering, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. The lady at, you know, the food place does not hate me, would not hate me if I go and ask her for another cup. That's not really reality. That's not what's going to happen. Having those moments of like, mm, wait a second, when they didn't, when they said they didn't want to hang out, they probably were just busy. You know, or like, oh, when I didn't, you know, when they said this thing, I definitely misread that wrong, like, you know, misread that. So it's, it's those grounding moments that kind of just bring you back to reality. And I think sometimes it can be a very gradual grounding of like, oh, yeah, shoot, gotta fix that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's a, you know, a halting crash, like the pandemic, like, you know, moments, you know, very shattering moments where it's like, fuck. Something's got to give, you know, and so just keeping keeping mindful of, of of those grounding moments, I think it's gonna help us get through that. As you said, where it's just take a deep breath, yeah, you know, sit back, eat a burrito, you know, smoke a victory blunt. We've been watching American Vandal. Shout out American Breakfast Vandal. Um, don't sue us, Netflix. But um, we like your product. We don't we sue we us. love you, Netflix. Well, I don't love you, but I, I like. Regard anyway, we're gonna move past that. <laughs> um, this was a, a fantastic conversation, man. Like I, yeah, I think that uh, it was great, and I think that just to end it, I mean, 
mindfulness. I think that you mentioned a lot of it. I mentioned a lot about context in this and, yeah. and cutting ourselves some slack. And I'm guilty of that. I need to cut myself some slack. We're in a pandemic. Um, but mindfulness is really important. Um, and also, I mean, a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, put this kind of idea in my head and it's been really great for me in grounding me is always finding something to be truly to feel grateful for. Um, and Nong, I'm sure you could list a half a million things if I said, what are you grateful for? You know, oh, my mom, my dad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's about having that actual attitude of gratefulness and just going on a walk outside and being like, wow, I'm so grateful to be able to go on a walk and be able to be outside in this beautiful air and live in this free country that that allows me to express myself and the problems that I have with it. And, and, and I'm grateful for these people that care about me or whatever they care. I'm grateful for this food that I'm eating. I'm grateful for this teacher that I have. Finding something that makes life worthwhile is, is a beautiful thing. It, no, it really, I mean, gratitude is something that is just fantastic. And that, and you know, and I, and I hope with this, you know, this podcast, you know, the more stories I collect and the more perspectives I gain and then, then can subsequently, you know, send out to other people to hear will, will be those, you know, kind of moments, you know, you know, and, and helping kind of build, build that and, you know, push us through the other side. But as I said before, thank you for coming on, and uh, you know we'll we'll definitely we'll interface again. When, of course, yes, we'll, we'll have to when we talk about politics. But um, for for those of you out there that have been listening this entire time, thank you so much. Um, super support you again. At this point, I still don't know how to release this. So at the point when you're listening to this, I've figured it out. Good job, future me. But as of right now, I still have no clue. But shout out you. For wanting to support me by just giving it a listen and i hope that this conversation was insightful in some way at least offer a new perspective or you know at the very least you walk away from it not feeling like you wasted you know your time um i love each and every one of you and i hope that your 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 night is fantastic and filled with beautiful dreams and i hope that your morning is is joyous and you hear a bird sing or something and that's all I got. Goodbye.